Support for this episode of Queen Things With Me, Gloria Mangi, comes from Black & Green. Black & Green is a marketplace of natural products that use high-quality, ethically sourced, and toxic-free ingredients from Black-owned female artisans worldwide. Fill your cart with the best in skincare, beauty, and accessories at blackgreen.com. That is B-L-K-G-R-N.com. Use promo code QUEEN10 for a special discount. Live happy, be healthy, be free. Now let's get into the show. Coming up. Or how did your family respond um, Well, to my mom found out. My mom found out from a letter um, that my girlfriend wrote me. She wasn't, uh, my girlfriend at the time wrote me. Um, she wasn't happy at all initially. My father, I never really told him officially um, until like much, much later. Welcome to Queen Things with me, Gloria Mangi. As you know, queening ain't easy. And here at Queen Things, we want to celebrate, elevate, and empower the women who sometimes make it look so damn easy. By the end of the show, we want to leave you feeling like the royalty you are and thinking with an emboldened mindset. With that being said, it is time for Ask Our Kings, where we invite the men in our lives to be a part of the conversation because it makes the journey so much more easier and definitely more enjoyable when we're in it together. On today's Ask Our Kings, we asked, how can we make sure that women are always treated respectfully and paid equally to men? Nathaniel from Tanzania said, If they're doing the same job at the same level with the same qualifications, then why not? Fortunately, that is easier said than done. Ferris from Congo, you said, No, I think women need to get paid more than men, seeing what we put them through. <laughs> Does that include you, Ferris? I just want to know. Gilbert from Kenya. Ooh, you gave uh, quite a response. You said... I get so tired with this whole men and women are equal. No, we are not. We are built differently and that allows us to do or that allows us the ability to do certain things with a bit more ease than a lot of women. Most men think differently. We tend to be more logical with our approach. Women by nature are caregivers and creators and that is something unique and special about them. Plus, I think men make better leaders. Hmm. That is a loaded response. That is definitely a loaded response. Now, Gilbert, I want to share with you what a well-known leader said, Barack Obama. He said that women make better leaders than men. In fact, and I quote, not to generalize, but women seem to have a better capacity than men do, partly because of their socialization. So some of the things that you know, you think are maybe not an asset, actually are the asset that may set us apart and make us better leaders. So I'm going to leave that there for you to dwell on. But if you want to join in on the conversation or want to see what other people are saying, follow us on Twitter at QueenThingsPod. We're also on Instagram at QueenThingsPodcast. And be sure to like our Facebook page as well, Queen Things with Gloria Mangi. Adjust your crown and let's head into the throne room and hear from Neka Onara. She has some great things to share on her sexuality and career. Keep it locked right here. 
Step into the throne room with your host, Gloria Mangi. Neka Onara grew up in Queens, New York, experiencing two different worlds. She experienced her Nigerian heritage on one side through one grandmother and a Baptist church life with the other grandmother, while her parents worked hard to provide what she needed growing up. Growing up as a child, what did you know and understand about your African heritage or culture when you're young and how it integrates with your Black American culture as a child? What I understood about my African culture as a child, like pride, hard work, and um, definitely honor were important things um, in my Nigerian heritage and culture. You know, my father always instilled in me how important education was, how important it was to give back to the community, um, how important it was to be proud of yourself um, and um, love yourself. Um, And I feel like that definitely played into my African-American culture as well, because my mom, you know, she always instilled in me to have the confidence and to, to um, fight back against people who would come against me in life and to really have the confidence I needed to do the work that I had to do um, growing up in my childhood into my adulthood. Um, I really got a sense of confidence and pride between the intersection of the two of those things. Um, like I said, um, with having a father that's from Nigeria and education being so important to him and always being the best of the best and working the hardest that you possibly can, I feel like that's played into a lot of my career a lot because I take that, that's all I saw growing up is my mom working hard and helping our family, my grandmother going into the community and like you know, taking people who may have been strung out on drugs or taking people who may have just needed a helping hand and bringing them into our home and welcoming them and being with them through their journey into healing. And then, you know, my father, you know, making sure that, you know, school was number one priority for me, that I was learning, that I was always thinking outside the box, that I was always doing extracurricular activities. He um, used to put me in this teen peer education program Um, that really allowed us to help youth with uh, sex education and mental health, any sort of illness or um, things like that nature. And so I think those two things played a lot into who I am today. And I mean, my childhood and my upbringing and my Nigerian heritage is like running all through me um, in every way. And so just talking about your uh, experience when you're younger and how you identify because um, we read about it on a website called Dyke Categories. Um, were you mm-hmm. always aware about your identity and how you identify when you're younger? Can you please tell us you know, how you do identify? And when was that pivotal moment for you where you're like, okay, I identify as, as this or this is how I see myself? Well, I mean, in terms of identity, you know, as a, as a child, you know that something's different about you, but you don't really know how to articulate that. And relationships don't necessarily always start at a very young age. So you know that you have a feeling like, oh, I may be attracted to this. I may, you know, um, you know, express myself not in the typical way someone in my gender or this, you know, this, the way of the status quo that typically my gender would perform. But there's something different about me. And I knew that um, from a very young age, maybe like as early as maybe like nine years old but um I never was able to articulate the things that I felt um up until high school you know I know that I was attracted to women at a certain age but then once I got to high school 
that year and that year in high school, I went. I had been living in Georgia for a while. I'd been ch- in church nonstop, so I never seen two women outwardly express their love for each other just in public. So when I went to high school back in New York, I went back to school and I saw two girls kissing the hallway and I saw teachers like just walking by like normal. The students like no one thought this was different. And I'm looking around like, what? This is nobody's going to react to this. Um, this just happens. And no one reacted to it. And I was like, oh, wow, I could do this out loud. And in meeting my friend, I met a friend in high school. She was like, yeah, I'm a lesbian. I was like, oh, OK. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I'm a I think she called herself a femigrant or something like that. I was like, what is that? She was like, someone I'm both masculine and feminine. And then she was like, and an AG is someone who's more masculine. And a femme is somebody who's more feminine. And AGs, they femmes. It was like this one on one that she was like. I'm telling me and I'm just like, oh, wow, interesting. So seeing, you know, that website, Dyke Categories on Black Planet, and then coupled with meeting this, this, you know, young woman in my high school, you know, expressing that in her life, it showed, it, it kind of brought me into the life and made me make sense of what I was thinking and feeling all of these years and being able to put it into context. Okay. But then I had an issue with the labels and the categories because I'm like this is problematic because it inhibits you from having freedom and we're ending up playing into the same things that we're trying to dismantle within the world is by being labeled and you know made to be one thing based on the name that represents us for whatever reason so yeah that I think um to answer your question high school was the pivotal moment maybe around 14 years old where everything made sense 14 15 years old everything started to make sense how did your parents did you ever explain to your parents who you are and how you identify and how did your family um well my mom found out my mom found out from a letter um that my girlfriend wrote me she wasn't uh, my girlfriend at the time wrote me um she wasn't happy at all initially my father I never really told him officially um, until, like, much, much later. Um, You know, my mom reacted in a way she didn't really... My mom didn't react out of hate. It was, like, a negative reaction out of love because she really didn't want me to have to have a difficult life based on this. And so instead of her embracing me and trying to, you know, help say, okay, I'm going to support you through this, I think it was more so of, like... You know, sometimes anger is our first response to something we're not used to, you know, especially like fight or flight, like, oh, my God, what is this? I'm not used to this. So she was really upset. Um, But it took her some years to get used to, um, as it does a lot of people when they experience something new for the first time. Um, My father, um, strangely enough, enough, has never said anything negative um, to me about it. But I know that, you know, he may have a difference of opinion. But one thing he's always done is been very loving to me um and so i think he just sees me as his daughter and doesn't necessarily differentiate things even though he has his own thoughts and processes on you know what is what is correct based on his culture and his heritage so okay that's very yeah that's how that kind of went and my mom my mom is fine now she's great and you know she's she's learned a lot through this process with me through me making a film she's learned a lot so I think I helped my family evolve in a lot of ways through continuing to be myself despite whatever adversities would come my way or whatever um, opposition would come my way. Culturally, religiously, it's not accepted in my father's country. Uh, culturally, it's not accepted in this country really either. Um, and religiously as well. Per se. 
yeah and religiously as well i mean as a christian you know what i'm saying my father's catholic um there's not acceptance of it but i mean it hasn't really affected me the criticisms that i get yes i get criticism but we get criticism every day in our everyday life people are going to talk about you regardless ladies take your passport to the next level with up in the air life luxury travel up in the air life curates five-star international experiences that showcase the lifestyle you deserve no matter where you are in the world just choose your destination and head to the airport because up in the air life takes care of everything and prepares you throughout the trip planning process for the getaway of a lifetime visit up in the air and use the code queen q u e e n to save big on your next week-long vacation see you in the air Neka didn't want to tell stories anymore about people that she couldn't relate to. She wanted to tell the stories of people who looked like her and went through the same experiences as her. And she did that through her film The Same Difference, and this changed her life forever. And so, creating the film actually like opened up a lot of doors just in terms of my career, but beyond my career, it opened up doors for the community to have a voice. Like we came out in theaters like selling out theaters all over like in Australia in you know Paris and London you know um in Asia in you know Brussels in you know um in in the in the New York City Chicago Atlanta like everywhere just selling out theaters because we haven't been able to have a voice this whole time so with that you know being able to you know create a space where we're heard and we're seen and we're visible and our story is important like that just changed my life it helped me understand my life purpose and and that was to be able to help provide a platform and give a voice to oppressed communities and you know it was just really something that was it was in my purpose to do that i was brought here on this earth to do um because the way it impacted people i didn't even know how big it was going to be you know i didn't know that it was going to be that important to everyone i knew that this was something that was important to me but you never know until you actually do it to understand how it'll impact other people and i really think um it got to a lot of the key issues you know with vulnerability and you know um the fact that people see you know women um as weak and fragile and what that means and how we play into our own um oppress oppression as well and so really you know all of those things like it just changed my life it just showed me you know part of what i was here to do and it gave a voice to us and i think i think it more changed i think it changed you know it changed all of us the feedback that you got what was the feedback that you're expecting was it met up to the expectations were people positive was the response positive in the community that you're targeting as well as people that probably you know never even thought about um this being an issue um the the response was amazing i think this response to the same difference like the fear the fear of oh I don't know how this is going to go or how this is going to hit. Obviously that was nerve-wracking for the beginning, but to see people who have nothing to do with the lesbian community or the black community 
or a women's community. I mean, there's straight men that have come to the film. There's, you know, people from different cultures who have nothing to do with it. They all can relate to that issue. And they, a lot of people didn't know this was even happening. That's how invisible that we've been, that people are like, this happens? Wait, I didn't even know that this was an issue. So to be able to um, bring light to that and see everybody's reactions, it was so positive. Even in the, in the theaters, a lot of lesbian women who identifies masculine who normally may not hug people or you know they might look at each other up and down people were starting to come together and you know just be more vulnerable and like you could see it like from the beginning when everyone's separate and at the end of the film where everyone's talking and smiling and really getting into their emotions it's like a beautiful powerful thing to see i mean even for my own family some of my family who's rejected that they they came into the film and have a completely different view on everything now so I think the response is amazing. I think people don't didn't realize how universal this would be. You know, they probably went in thinking it was so nuanced and that they would be able to, you know, separate themselves from the film, but no matter who you are, we all deal with, you know, you know, wanting to be accepted. I mean, <laughs> some of my family didn't understand it or or even, you know, weren't wasn't used to it and then, you know, we had this whole period in my life where there was this divide and this division. And then one day I did the same difference. I did a screen in New York. I had about five screenings. And one time my family just bought up the whole theater on one Saturday and just showed up in all these same difference t-shirts and supported me. So it was like a really beautiful moment, you know, to, to see people turn around and have that support. Um, Sometimes it just takes patience and education um, to understand, you know, as humans, we're just, when we're not used to things, we, we, we like to run the safety to what we know or hold on to that. I was so surprised by the response of the community. I mean, people who, you know, um, I didn't even think were going to come out to see the film, came out to see the film. A lot of, like, white audiences, a lot of straight male audiences, you know, culturally, just it was just a lot of diversity um, that came to the film, and it really showed me how universal it was. And the the you know everyone, the fact that everyone could relate to the film in some way because we all experience these situations where people want to label us or where we feel like we need to label ourselves or we need to be in a box or you know um, we can't be vulnerable because if we're vulnerable, then that means we we're weak and that and that is associated with femininity and what does that mean? You know, these are all universal issues that, le you know, that we focus on a nuanced community, but they're universal. So to see the amazing response from people that you never even expected to come out to see the film, because it was a film that was uh, for, you know, black lesbians and to, to give us a voice, it's amazing to see everyone else come out and support. Well, we're just talking now about like the identity and identity within words like black, African, American, Nigerian, lesbian. A lot of, you know, melanin people find it complicated to identify with these kind of labels. So growing up as you have and making a film like the same difference. Can you talk about the complications our people have when it comes to identity? I mean, yeah, I think there's definitely complications when it comes to identity. Um, just being black, African, whom, you know, whomever, just because of the stigma that comes with labeling. You know, if you're black, there's something that can be assumed about your socioeconomic status or your background history or your past. And, you know, um, I feel like labeling has also played a part in dividing our community um, as well, because 
you know, we have light skin versus dark skin and what that means. And, you know, I feel like it, it's a tool that's been used against us or indoctrinated into our heads um, based on like this racist society, not necessarily us, but we all are just trying to find an identity that makes us feel the most comfortable and the most confident and powerful. And I think that, you know, those things really get complicated because, you know, once you identify yourself as something, there's so many stigmas that come with that. You know what I mean? Um, when you categorize yourself and once you categorize yourself, it's like, oh, now I have to own everything everyone says about this type of person. Um, so, you know, it's really tricky, you know, labeling, but sometimes it also helps people feel empowered if they label themselves. So um, it's always some, it's nothing that's really a black and white answer to that, you know, but it is something to always unpack through identity. That's why it's so, to me, it's always been easier to identify yourself as you because there's so much freedom in that because we're all a cornucopia of many things and they don't necessarily have to be associated with one group because we're all individuals. So um, I always felt that it was important for people to have their own identities, no matter what color they are. Um, and to be honest, like I didn't want to go back to just doing any type of content. From that point on, I was like, everything I have to do has to be based around this idea and this theory that it bringing us together is called the same difference, you know? And I feel like at the core of all of us, we really all just want love, you know? And we go so many different ways about doing it based on our background. You know, some people do that in, in ways that are seen as evil. Some people do good. But at all in, in the middle of it is that we all want love. So how can we get to the point where we're vulnerable enough to come together and understand that? And like every film that I do, no matter what community it targets, I want to get to the core of that if we can chip away at that to bring the world more together. So I think it was really just a purpose driven film. And so to be able to do that has been like life changing. You know, um, to me, the fundamentals is spirituality, God, love, unity, um, and anything that creates division is not is a non-factor for me. Um, and I want people to be able to come together and everyone have their differences and their opinions on religion and what they think is right and wrong. And I talk a, a lot. I'm going to talk a lot about that in my next film um, in terms of my Nigerian heritage and my Christian faith and things like that um but i feel like that anything that divides us is not productive so you're at netflix right now working on a show recently monique called for a boycott of the streaming service because she's seen a difference in pay when it came to her and other female comedians of different color you're in these rooms and understand more and more of how people are being treated not that you agree or disagree with her boycott requests but do you see discrepancies in exposure payment and expectation when it comes to our people in this industry um it you know it's also you know it's all depending on your experience i mean i feel like it depends there's so many more factors into it obviously there's a lot of situations where women are getting unequal pay and you know there's some women who aren't taking those jobs and saying no then then i'm not taking it you know, if you're not going to give me exactly what I want, it's really a constant fight. Um, everyone negotiates their pay based on their lawyer, based on their relationships and all of that stuff. Um, so, I mean, if she feels that that's something that she would need to do, then, you know, and that's her experience that she has and she should fight for whatever she you know, she needs um, from them. 
but you know i've had situations i feel like objectively apart from that like you know a lot of times they try to put women in specific positions or they try to undermine you or you know try um to not pay as much as men and things like that and that's where you have to put your foot down we can't be quiet or meek about it we have to we have to put our foot down we don't have to like oh i need this job so i'm just gonna take it because if i don't put my foot down then you know then i won't get this job if you see value in yourself then that means that you have to turn things down so if you're not getting paid the rate in which you deserve then as a strong woman you just say look i'm not going to take it and if people see value in you they will pay you for that you know and that's why it's so important to make your own content too because you can show the value in yourself you know i spent a lot of time trying to prove to a network why this content would work and look at it i went and made it on my own and took it around the globe you know it wasn't just this niche audience watching it i took i got to take it around the world and do it ourselves and you can make your own stuff and you don't need a stamp of approval from someone else and if they need to come to you they need to come correct or don't take the deal so i think it's about having that power and that voice not necessarily boycotting the company but you know we're, you know, standing up on yourself for yourself and, and making people come correct when they come at you with an offer because they, they'll see the value in your stuff and, and you don't need them to, you know, to create value. They don't give you the value. You give that value. You connect to your audience. And that's why, you know, the, you know, the film was so important. And even other films that I'll do, I want to be able to have a direct connection with the audience, you know. And then all of those deals and stuff come in after because I want to be able to speak to my audience and give the things that need to be given and, and also give myself what I deserve and give the audience what they deserve, telling their stories authentically and, and, and in a real way. So I think, you know, I think in general, as women, we need to step up and not be mild or meek about pay. We need to be upfront. Yeah. And we need to say we need to say no when it's time to say no. The president of the United States continues to attack citizens and residents that are not like him and they identify differently. How can we change or do better as a community overall when it comes to the way others identify with everything he has said and tries to put into policy? Um, I mean, we just are going to have to continue to be strategic on how we deal with the president the current president of the United States, um, I feel like, you know, we spend a lot of time focusing on what he says and talking about him and like tweeting about things, but like that's not effective. We have to figure out a way in which we can use this and flip it to create a change for ourselves and see, you know, I think it's a time to re-strategize while this is going on. And I think we should be a lot less focused on his tweets and talking about how terrible he is and more so figuring out strategically, like through this, these policies, how can we create a change for ourselves? I think it's time for us to come back and huddle up together as communities of color um, and get on us get all on the same page. Um, even as a Democratic Party, get on one page. So you're saying so be more practical? Fight back. Hunt, say again. Same thing, more practical in, yes, in, exactly. in our approach to things instead of um, just making noise but not really doing anything about it. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. I absolutely agree focused. with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so just kind of to wrap things up, just as we start closing, um, what new information and access do we need to have better communities for our people over the maybe the next 10 years? 
You say what kind of information and access? Mm -hmm. Information and access. Do we need to have better okay. communities for our people over the next 10 years, 15 years, just into the future? I mean, I, I mean, I think it's important for us to have access to content. I, what's so beautiful about now is that you can watch a Netflix and get stories from all over the world. We have the Internet. Um, I think it's to continue to tell our stories through media and educate people on nuanced things that are happening in our everyday life and seeing how we can deal with them globally. Um, that's why I love the medium of film so much because it has so much impact and influence on the culture and what people are thinking about on a consistent basis. As they watch stuff, they're talking about it and creating groups and creating change. So I think we have to continue to do what we are doing, um, but really taking the stuff we see, the content we see, and figuring out how can we put this into actions in today's life. If we watch a movie like Hidden Figures or something, and we see the, the what the pioneers have done in the past, how can we take what's happening now and put ourselves into action? Not just watch, watching and tweeting and posting a photo, but really like coming together and connecting in person and sharing that exchange of ideas, because that's the, that's the beauty of today. That's the beauty of like the access we have to technology is just that we get to connect and know what's going on in other parts of the world that may be suffering. And so how do we come together and connect and do the work to change those things? You know, I think creating more apps and, you know, services that bring us together and bring our ideas and thoughts together, but like finding a way um, for that to be um, actions-based is, is the biggest thing for me. Like even once I do the next film, I want to figure out groups that I could start, um, support groups in different countries, um, planning groups to come together, not just protesting, but actually like doing the work, um, like we said, um, and all the practicality of it, um, coming together and doing the work to create changes in communities that are suffering in terms of healthcare, in terms of housing, in terms of, you know, um, mental and physical health, you know, disabilities, you know, um, immigration issues, and like really, you know, I want to take my films and all the topics that we talk about, figuring out how to turn them into tangible actions. Also, basically putting um, the film into schools and universities and creating lesson plans around the content so that it can be an actual class. And like, you can watch the film, dissect the film and its many themes and be learning based on that and, you know, putting that to use. And universities is something big that I want to do um, in the next film as well. So really just action-based things. I feel like there's a lot of talking and a lot of content and, you know, marching, but action and like, how can we like, if we, if we plan this out, how can we see results? Because talking is not going to get us results, but how can we put um, come together and create groups that will um, spiral us into actual action. So being more effective and being more efficient. Absolutely. That is good. That is really good. And just, you know, as the last question, this is what we usually ask all our queens that we, we interview. Uh, what does the word queen mean to you? Oh, my God. The word queen to me is that's the the best word ever that's the most powerful word um queen means like creator queen means boss queen means you know omnipotent <laughs> uh queen means alpha omega it means like i, I just like i'm so passionate about queen and queen, queen the word queen and to me like 
women are just like we're the creator of life we give birth like we like everything starts through our our canal like it comes out of us like that's the most powerful position to actually be in and you know so when i hear queen i just hear the creator of everything beautiful the creator of everything great you know um we created this world um so when i hear queen i there's a sense of empowerment and pride um like we talked about that you get in african culture you get in you know black culture or whatever it's just like a sense of power and pride and um just omnipotence and also like just grace and you know just poise i just uh yeah all of that everything great when i hear queen i think of everything great you nailed it i really like those words um you're the first person I think that I was just like, yes, just emailing every <laughs> <laughs> every descriptive word. Step into the throne room with your host, Gloria Mangi. That was a powerful and insightful Neka Onara. If you want to learn more about the films she has made and see what else she has going on, visit NekaFilms.com. That is N-N-E-K-A Films.com. And if you haven't already, go watch Same Difference. That will shed light on the things you didn't even know was happening. I confess I didn't. If you want to listen to some more great tea from the interview and any of our others, Throne Room interviews, head over to QueenThingsPodcast.com or AfricanQueensProject.org and subscribe to get exclusive tea from the throne. Next up is Aspire to Inspire, and it will leave you feeling good. Don't go anywhere. This segment is brought to you by the Moremi Initiative for Women's Leadership in Africa. The Moremi Initiative is a nonprofit that pursues proactive strategies to develop and empower young women and girls to take on leadership roles in their communities. Their leadership development program, focused on mentorship, research, and advocacy, has served African and U.S. communities for almost 15 years. Visit moremiinitiative.org to support and work the needs of young queens worldwide. On today's Aspire to Inspire is Mameya Bwafu. She is a professional actress from Ghana. Growing up in Pakistan, Sudan, Kenya, Switzerland, and Ethiopia, Mamaya's upbringing has made her an artist with a heart for culture, travel, and humanity. I first saw her on African City, which is the African version of Sex in the City, and binge-watched the entire season. She's also a very poised speaker, and this little gold nugget that I want to leave you with, she offers some insight into what she went through as a struggling actress in America. Have a listen. Also, nurture your relationships. By nature, I, I'm a shy person, and sometimes it was hard for me to approach people in my community because I always felt like I wasn't good enough. Um, but you have to push through that. I actually found my community, my acting community, on Facebook. Uh, when I moved to New York, I didn't know anyone, so I found this group called Casting Actors of Color that was based in New York, and I started introducing myself to people, and I found a casting call there called An African City which was created by a wonderful person, Nicole Matifio, who saw shows like Sex and the City and whatnot and was like, how come there aren't anything, there isn't anything like that for African women? So she created that. And because of her, she's employed people, catapulted my career, entertained people, and educated people who thought Africans were just impoverished poor souls with kwashioko. 
Thanks for listening to Queen Things with Gloria Mangi. This podcast is a show from the award-winning organization, African Queens Project. To learn more about the show and what we do, visit africanqueensproject.org. I'm your host, Gloria Mangi. The show is produced by Ngozi Izzy Ahanotu, and it was edited by me, Gloria Mangi. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, as well as on Instagram. Thank you for listening.